Um, but we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, as a kid, I, I love superheroes. Anybody like superheroes? I, I love superheroes. I just watched a Batman flick the other night. Not like the hokey 60s Batman, like the, like the you know, where he's actually a real superhero Batman. You know what I mean? And uh, one, of those, one of those ones. And, um, and I used to, Superman, I, I, I never really grabbed a hold of Superman too much. But you know why I did that? Because I realized I could never be him. I am not from Krypton. I cannot be Superman. The reason he had what he had, because he came from somewhere else. I can't be him. I love Batman. You know why? Because Batman pretty much is an everyday dude who just utilizes the resources made available to him. I dig that. I, mean, I, think, I dig that. I dig that. I put a little tight on the, on, the, on the chain there. I dig those kinds of people because they're just everyday guys. All of us everyday guys. Sometimes in the body of Christ, we, really, we, we, we think there are super Christians and there's us. There's super spiritual people, then there's us. We think that, that, that God's obviously got an anointing on some people, but not, probably not me. And he's offered all of us resources, gifts. I love Captain Kirk. You know why? Because he's just an everyday dude who just utilizes this big ship he's put in front of him and the crew that's around him. I love that. I love Narnia. You know why? Because those are just everyday kids who take what's entrusted to them, and they make some awesome things happen. Lord of the Rings, I love Lord of the Rings, you know, because Aragorn, Frodo of all people, gets to be used for great purposes. Only thing he has is big feet. That's it. Big feet and a big heart. That's all he's got. Sam is the man, in my opinion. And my favorite character in the Lord of the Rings saga is Sam. The dude has nothing. He's even petrified. He can't even, the dude can't even swim. And yet, he takes what he's been given, and he does something significant with it. People, body of Christ, we all have something we've been entrusted with. If we are followers of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God has brought us close to, to, to him. He intends to empower us to do amazing things. And he's going to entrust in us giftings and things for us to do something that changes the world literally. And maybe you think, well, I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm never going to Kenya. You probably may not, but your shoebox might. And I'm going to talk a little bit, a little bit about, about a gift that, that directly the Scriptures line out. Is an, it can be anointed by the Holy Spirit to do significant stuff. So let's look real quick. We are the people of God. I love those guys. John 14 is a very well-known piece of Scripture. And I'm going to run as fast as I can run, okay? Are you, have you got your running shoes on? Come on, get them on with me. All right, get your fingers limbered up. We're going to be flipping through some Scriptures quickly, all right? John 14, verse 10. We will read these words. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me. It's a funny, all this, this work, uh, talk about the Holy Spirit and his work, it always starts with the word of God. Did you notice that? Every scripture we've looked at over the last few weeks, the, 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 the jump off point is the word of God and following the word of God and obedience to the word of God. The Holy Spirit jumps into that scenario, does something with the uh, action moved upon by the, when people move upon the word of God that's spoken to them. Do you get that? Jesus, as our brother, one piece of scripture calls him, he wore shoes like we wore. He did all that stuff. He walked on the planet. He says, I don't do anything except what the Father tells me. It starts with the word spoken by God to my life. That's what Jesus says. You get that? Just believe me that I, that I am the Father. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to, my, going to be with my Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it 
so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. There's an exclamation point at the end of there. That's awesome. But it goes way back to obedience. Jesus is not going to give you a Cadillac because you want to look sharp driving around town. Are you hearing me? So in, in, in context, listen to what he's saying. You want to follow me in obedience? You ask me for stuff that will help you obey me? Dude, I am on that all the way. We, are, we will roll together. Are you getting that? Okay. So this piece of scripture falls between the essence of the gospel. Jesus is in John, the first part of John 14 utters these words we quote all the time. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father but me. Right before that. Right before that, he says these words. I go to prepare a place for you. Keep your focus on eternity is the, the idea there. I'm coming. Be ready. Keep this in front of you. And, he, and then, then he goes on to talk about obedience again. He goes on. He goes on. He goes on to talk about being unchained. Uh, anyway, um, he goes on to talk about obedience again and the work of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about those, those passages, 14, 15, and 16, right? It's right this, this piece is sandwiched right between there. And what he's saying is get on, get on the gospel, get on the gospel bandwagon, get obedient to what the Father wants to happen on this planet. I'm going to supply the Holy Spirit. Uh, but I want you to do, you're going to do some amazing things if you jump on with me. There's going to be some things that happen in your life that will be just stinking fry your circuits if you will follow me in obedience. I would do some stuff nobody thought could happen, all that kind of thing. Here, when you start thinking of, think of the works of Jesus, think of the works of Jesus, you're thinking miracles, aren't you? How many of you immediately thought of like blind Bartimaeus or the ten lepers? How many of you thought of, you know, uh, Lazarus being raised from the dead? We're thinking of that, aren't we? I did some research this week, and uh, there's this awesome reference called Wilmington's uh, Book of Bible Lists. And Mr. Wilmington lists 36, three dozen different miracles of Jesus. Okay, there may be more, but that's his list, so that's what I ran from, okay? I looked at each of those miracles, context of where they fall in the Scripture, and what I found out, 33, everybody say 33. 33 of the 36 miracles of Christ happen outside of an environment like this. He's on his way somewhere. He's about the mission. He's not talking in a synagogue. He's not doing some teaching at the temple. He is on his way to accomplish something for, for the Father. And in the middle of that, somebody runs up to him. In the middle of that, in the middle of the fulfillment of the mission, the obedience to what the Father says, these things begin to transpire naturally out of Jesus' life. I flipped forward to the book of Acts. I told you a story if you, where, where I heard a pastor say, there's 40 miracles in the book of Acts. 39 of them happen outside someplace other than in an in, in, in a, in a organized church setting. Did you remember us telling that? I didn't actually locate 40, but they're 30 plus. Okay? One of the lists I looked at, there, there, there are eight miracles attributed to Peter and Paul. Okay? All together. And it's good. I actually named their names. This happened for them. Seven of the eight happen outside of here. Of the 30 plus, all but three of them, I think, if my 
all but one are outside of a congregational church meeting. So when Jesus is talking about his works and wanting to replicate them, he's not wanting you to think about a church service. Now what happened in here completely falls within the confines of Scripture. Okay? Read 1 Corinthians 14. Something supernatural happened in here this morning. The voice of God spoke. I did not orchestrate that. I had no idea where Patrick was going. None. We didn't talk about songs. We didn't talk about nothing. I mean, it just happened. Okay? You can read that for yourself. What am I, what, what, what am I saying? I'm saying, listen, if we want to do the works of Jesus, let's be about what Jesus was about doing. When he says be obedient to the Father, he's saying, dude, there's a lost world out there. Your part in playing, your part in, in that lost world is reaching the lost for the cause of Christ. Your part is to be a light shining in a dark place. If we're about that, he's on, he's on with us. And it, 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 there's several pieces of scripture that talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When I talk about the works, many of us just go right there. 1 Corinthians 12 is a piece of scripture that talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And um, you can turn there with me if you want. I'm just going to read a few verses there. Verse 4 says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Help each other do what? Feel good about ourselves? I had, some, I had somebody tell me yesterday, they don't want to be a part of a spiritual admiration society. Or, or how, how do you say it? It was a spiritual mutual admiration society. He said, sometimes we get in our church and all we do is we just want to pat each other on the back of how good we are and how great we are. And, you know, and if our mind, we think that's, that's what, we're, 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 what God gives us certain gifts is to do that, we're missing it. If God anoints us to do something, it's, it, it's, it's to impact the world. Now, that should happen here. I mean, when we, when we read 1 Corinthians 14, there's this element of encouragement and exhortation and comfort attached to that. But in most of our minds, that's all we're thinking about. We're thinking about God moving. And there's so much more that God wants. This, some, some people perceive what happens in this building as the game. This is game day for the church. This is not game day. This is game film. This is locker room. This is pep rally. This is instruction to go play the game during the rest of the week. To go take the field and do something significant. You should take what you learn here and it should translate out there that there's something significant happening. And the works of God are for that purpose and for that cause. To take the field and go do something that brings light and hope and life to those who are lost and hurting and dying. This is not game day. If your Christianity revolves around this, this moment in time, just to get you where you feel like you've done something spiritual, man, listen, wake up. There's something huge God intends to do on the planet, and most of it's going to happen outside the four walls of this, this building. It is not going to take place. It can't even come remotely close to taking place at 4496 State Route 180. It just can't. We cannot get of all of Ross County on this piece of property, but all of Ross County needs to be saved. Are you hearing me? I'm wound up, aren't I? So you look at that, and in context, listen, Jesus always, the Spirit of God always keeps us on the right path. He's talking about gifts here in verse 12, okay? I mean, chapter 12. 
Verse 27 says, all of you together is Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Every one of us have an anointing from the Holy Spirit to follow God, to be called into, into salvation. If you're here and you're following Christ, God, the Holy Spirit, absolutely wants to work through your life. You have a part to play. Verse 31, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Nothing wrong with desiring to be used by God. Nothing wrong with wanting to be used here. And he goes, but let me show you a better way. Or, this is important, but this is not the most important. Do you get what I'm saying? And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. You know what love is? That's the fruit of the Spirit. The works are great. The gifts are awesome. What's going to change the world is my love. Stay there. Are you hearing me? Verse 14, he goes back to what, I mean, chapter 14, he goes back to what contextually happens on a church service. And you know what? He only lists three of the gifts in that entire chapter. What takes place in a church service? We experienced two of them here this morning, not on purpose, completely by accident, honestly. I didn't tell Patrick nothing about how I was going to preach on, how things should go. It just happened, I promise. I'm not here trying to make, you know... Some sensational, I don't have like the, you know, I'm not like one of those TV preachers who have a little thing in their ear, and, you know, so-and-so, this lady, she's got this, that, that, so if you pray for her, blah, 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 you know, and, wow, the raising things, that's not happening here at all, in any way, shape, or form, okay? You saw that. First 15, first, first Corinthians 15, he goes on to say, let me bring you back to what's most important. You know what he does? He recites the gospel again. Let's talk about the gifts. They have their place. Let's talk about the character of God. It has its place. Let's talk about the gifts again. That's great. Let's keep doing things on what's most important. Let's take the gospel around the world. You understand that? Romans 12. No, Ephesians 4. He talks about the gifts of the church. And here's something really important. In 1 Corinthians 4, I mean 12 verse 4, he uses this word about spiritual gifts. It's the Greek word, if you guys are like theologians and study your strongest concordance, it's the number 5486. Okay? It's the Greek word charismata. It's where we get the, 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 the English word charismatic gifts, okay? It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 4. You know what's really funny? We never put these things together. Ephesians 4, verse 7, however, he's given each of us a special gift. Guess what word that is? Same word. Charismata, 54, 86. Through the generosity of Christ. Related to the word uh, charismatic. He makes the whole body fit together, verse 16 says, as each does its part. Right between there, he talks about what we would call ministry office gifts, five-fold ministry gifts, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, those five things. But he's using the same word he used back in 1 Corinthians 12. Okay? The part, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a, there's, a, there's a paragraph where he lists nine things. He's talking about those gifts. At the bottom, he comes down at, at, toward the bottom. He, he recites some other things. He includes some of those things he talked about at first, and he adds things to it. He talks about apostles, and he talks about ministering to one another. He talks about encouragement as if those are gifts too, and sometimes we, we slide right past that. The same word he uses in 1 Corinthians 12, he used again in Ephesians 4. Guess what? Romans 12, another list of gifts. Let's read that. Romans 12, verse 4 and 6. Just as our bodies have many parts... And each part has a special function, so it is with bodies, the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body, and we belong to each other. In His grace, the Greek word charis, okay, God has given us different gifts, charismata, okay, for doing certain things well. And then He makes a whole other list. Let me explain something to you. 
My body functions in a certain capacity. I have organs that are supposed to work with one another. I've got things that seemingly are not very significant, but if I chop off my big toe, I, I mean my little toe, I can't walk very well. Okay? Many of you would walk up to somebody and you pay attention to certain, certain things about a person. Your eyes are so beautiful. I wish I had eyes like you. But my guess is you never walk up to somebody and go, man, I wish my little toe did the same work your little toe does. You know? Man. That pinky finger of yours has got it going on. Try and do something without, without, without one of these appendages here on any, of your finger, on any of your hand. You can survive without them, but you're not real proficient a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? I can survive without my eyes, but there's other parts I, I, I absolutely have to have. My stomach is something that I like a lot. I feed him constantly. If all I do is base my whole life on his function, I got problems. Because you know what's going to happen? I'm going to lay around and get fat and get lazy. Now, I'm not going to fall around and get fat and get lazy. The rest of my body is going to be developed fatty, fatty deposits all around it. My heart will. My, my, my liver will. My pancreas will. Everything about me. If all I do is feed me, Dude, I got problems. If I never get my heart rate up in some sort of cardiovascular exercise, my heart will cease to function. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes in the church, we want to concentrate on certain things and leave everything else out in the open and forget about them and just keep feeding ourselves the same stuff, wanting the same thing all the time. And if we do that, we will cease to function correctly and in balance. If I don't exercise certain parts of my body, my, the rest of my body suffers. Eventually, I will die. The church, if we want to spotlight certain things and not keep things in balance, we will do the same thing. We will die. We will cease to function efficiently and effectively, and we will stop being what God wants us to be. And so my encouragement to you is when we're looking at these gifts, think about this. This morning, we've had a real opportunity to be encouraged. Our Father loves us, and that's awesome and incredible and great but if I don't allow the other exercise and other things in my life beyond that I will never become all that God wants me to become are you hearing me we should absolutely absolutely a hundred percent anticipate the movement of the Spirit of God wherever we are whatever we're doing the supernatural movement of God he meets us where we determine to be about his business happens here and that happens there are you hearing me I hope you're getting it sometimes we want to associate certain gifts as being what the church should concentrate on and then God has a whole list of things he says are are that and so think about the, the context of Ephesians 4 he says living wor live worthy of the calling following obedience again live worthy of the calling live in humility there's through the spirit again then he lists gifts, one body, many gifts. He goes back, he says, we're going to equip you for ministry to keep this body growing. And then he says, fulfill your mission and your purpose. And he keeps going back to that theme. Do you get that? Romans 12, contextually, starts off with being living sacrifices, laying your, your life down, your, your actual, your living body down as living sacrifices in obedience to God so you can understand his will and his purpose. Then he talks about going back into humility. Again, fruit and character of God, fruit of the Spirit, not just gifts of the Spirit. Do you get that? In the middle of that, he puts the gifts again. God's given us grace to operate in special gifts. And then he lists those gifts. 
And he goes back to character, the whole last part of, of, of Romans 12, the, the chapter of Romans 12. It's like, get, love one another. He goes back to character. He goes back to gospel. He goes back to conquering evil with good. All that works together. Now, here's something I just want to make you aware of. Look, I, I put a chart on your, on your thing. Look at this. Again, in the scripture, it's all the same word. We would want a certain element of them to just be what we're talking about because we feel really spiritual when they're functional. But if God uses the same word in all three pieces, chances are they're probably all the same. Are you hearing me? In the book of 1 Corinthians 12, he lists teaching as one of those gifts. That's also found in Ephesians 4 and Romans 12. He lists apostleship in both 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. In, Ephesians, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, he lists prophecy. He lists ministering to others. He lists gifts of leadership and faith. In 1 Corinthians 12, he lists a whole other list. This is that paragraph mostly I was talking about earlier. Miracles, healings, tongues, wisdom, interpretation, knowledge, discerning of spirits. It's only found in 1 Corinthians 12. In Romans 12, there's some things listed there that aren't listed in the other two lists. Giving, exhortation, showing mercy. Those are gifts of the Spirit of God who He would want to anoint to utilize. Some of you would say, Aaron, I would never get up and say something in front of people. God doesn't expect you to. He expects to anoint you with a supernatural element in giving that will change the world. I may make a, put, a, put a Christmas shoebox together. It may mean nothing to the person who gets it. Is that possible? On the other hand, there are those people who put those boxes together. God absolutely takes that and puts it in the hands of a family, and all of a sudden their whole lives change. Some of you operate in compassion, and God, God you see something, and your heart is riveted. That is a work of the Holy Spirit of God. Some of you look nothing more. You come to church, and you're just looking for someone to encourage and you don't feel like it doesn't take place during the worship service or during, during the prayer time. That is insignificant. Listen to me. It is absolutely a gift of the Spirit of God according to the lists I read in these passages. And so we're looking for God to move amongst us. Let's look at all of them. And let's ask God to make sure every one of them are seen and felt and experienced. Are you hearing me? I was sitting, listening, I'm trying to sort all this out, and I don't have it all together. And then there's, there's those three office gifts that are evangelist, pastor, prophet. They're only found in Ephesians 4. I say we don't belittle any of them. I say we give every one of them their rightful spot in the body. That's what I say. Let's let them all work. Let's let, let's let the Holy Spirit function through every, every one of those things. Let, let, let's let God... Man, some of you right now, you just itch. There's something in you right now. You saw those Christmas box things, and you're like, oh, I have so got to do it. And on the inside right now, you are just, that's the Spirit of God. That is charismata, a grace given to you to function in the body of Christ. It may not be speaking tongues, and it might not be giving words of knowledge or words of wisdom. But bless God, it's going to change the world if you, if you act upon it. Hmm. Let's get a wide-angle view of what the, what the Word of God says. And let's ask His Holy Spirit to anoint us so greatly in every one of these areas that, man, we can't help but change the world.
We can't help but change our communities and our neighborhoods. We can't help but see the love of Jesus, the glory of God at work around us. He's very real. He's very strong. He's very, very, very powerful. And more than any of that, he's very loving. In the book of Mark, I called this message the presence and the presence. We want God's presence, and we want God's gifts. We want His tangible, we want to know He's with us. And we want to know that He has things to offer us. In Mark 16, there's a passage of Scripture right at the end. He's given the Great Commission. And once again, we we will find this line of thinking that has been congruent throughout all of it. Mark 16, He told them, Go and preach the gospel to every creature. There's the Word of God on the subject. The first step is go. Not stay, go. The book of Acts, Jesus tells them, hang on, wait, don't go anywhere until you have the Holy Spirit and He's functional in your life. But once you get the Holy Spirit's power in your life, it's time to move. And the funny thing about it, we talked about this Wednesday night in our, in our, in our wrap-up of our basics class. The funny part about it was, they, after He told them to go several times, once the Holy Spirit started moving, they were content to stay. And you know what He had to do? He had to apply pressure via persecution to get them to go finish what he told them to do. I don't think any of us want that. So what I say? Let's go. The Holy Spirit's at work. Let's go. Let's not wait for him to apply an unnecessary pressure to our lives because we're just being stagnant and stuff. He says, go. Preach the good news to everyone. And he goes, then, then on verse 17, he says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. And he, he gives a list. And some of those things in this list aren't even in those lists I just described. There is no gift listed for casting out demons. But it happened. In the book of Acts, it still happens today. In places where people allow him to do what he wants to do. He talks about people speaking in tongues. He talks about uh, people being healed. He talks about all those sorts of things. He talks about drinking, drinking deadly things and taking up surface lists. And we, don't have no, we have no box here full of snakes, I promise. And again, the, 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 the place that happens in the scriptures... The Apostle Paul was about the business of spreading the gospel. He gets shipwrecked on an island. He's trying to reach these people. And he reaches down to grab a stick to throw into a fire. A poisonous viper comes out and attaches itself to his arm. Paul's like, get off of me. And all the tribes people sit around and wait for Paul to drop over dead. They're sitting there watching him. What happens? Paul does not drop over dead. And what happened? It gave access, opportunity for the gospel to be preached. And some people were like, hey, we need to hear this. That would be great. So I'm saying it was all about the fulfilling of the commission, the calling to go. Paul wasn't looking around for snakes to pick up. That's dumb, in case you haven't noticed. Okay? He was about doing the work of the Father. I found something, and he says, and here's, the, here, here's, the, here's where the presence comes in. And, and the disciples went everywhere and they preached they they were obedient and the lord worked with them are those a mate work through them confirming what they said by many miraculous things wow i just want to be on that team i'm just saying so what we do i read read something this week and a a guy said this talking about the, 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 the miracles of jesus 
You know, Jesus didn't perform every miracle he could have. They, the, 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 the Satan asked him to turn stones into bread. Jesus said no. They asked him to take himself down off the cross. He said no. There were several places where he just chose not to. And he, wasn't, he was not performing miracles to prove he was God. He was just being who he was. And it naturally, he was obedient. It just naturally happened where he went. We as the body of Christ should just naturally have that happen. We're not seeking to prove we're anything. We're just seeking to be obedient and do what God said do. And his presence will meet us right there. That was a pretty, pretty, pretty powerful statement. It was a natural outflow of his desire to follow his father. and His godliness suddenly translated into miraculous things. Expect, here's what I would say. Expect God to do the miraculous because he's expecting you to be obedient. Seek obedience above everything else. And seek character above signs. Because everywhere I read, God just keeps bringing us back there. I find it funny in 1 Corinthians 12, Jesus, Jesus has, Paul is talking to a church that is ate up with supernatural stuff. But they're also very sensual. They have all kinds of extra problems that the church don't have any business being involved in. He keeps bringing them back to this idea of character and this idea of the Spirit of God producing fruit in their lives. He keeps going, I just gotta, it's great you guys have thought supernatural was going on. It's great you guys are that. But let's get back to what's really important. See, we have to focus on what's really important and expect that the other stuff will follow if we follow in obedience. Nothing wrong with desiring gifts, but if gifts are all we're worried about, we will miss everything else God intends for us to accomplish. Seek character above all else. Today, there is a, a work. Next week, we're going to let, let our prophetic team share with you how things function supernaturally. I'm looking forward to it. I thought Nikki was going to be here to do that. But apparently, God had other plans, which is cool with me because God orders our steps. Are you cool with that? This is the word of God. We take, we take the whole counsel of it. We will stay right where we need to be. And we will be doing exactly what God wants us to do. Today, I'm going to ask you to think about where you are in this level of obedience. Would you think about where you are in, in desiring the work of God in your life? And I want you to understand something. Those of you who are visiting with us, man, we say welcome to church. You know what I realized when we were doing meet and greet and you guys were doing an offering? Look, talk about the miraculous, okay? And I'm not trying, Scott probably doesn't want me to do this. But sitting right there in the middle of this is a guy who ought to be dead. Believe the prayers of a godly wife and a church around her. That is the reason that guy is alive. And he will attest to that, I believe, with all. Thank him. <laughs> Scott laid in a woods having a heart attack when they called the widow maker that should have killed him instantly not for a little while for three hours the doctors told him when they get to a guy within five minutes of the occurrence of that heart attack he has a one percent chance of living the doctors have no explanation as to why scott's alive and they kept coming by to check on him and tell him such because they just can't figure it out go to the university of pittsburgh and ask him about scott Pritchard. but i bet there's some doctors who go, dude we know him we know him Scott, that's what I'm talking about, the miraculous. 
will follow us. I absolutely believe that. 100% of my guts tell me so. The miracle of life is happening. Not just in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Is that right, Scott? Amen. Ha! Take that one. Jesus is real. His gospel is true. He died for you. He died for me. He died so that we might live and experience real life. And he intends for his Holy Spirit to help us navigate the rest of our days and do it, have something significant happen in the planet. If you don't know him, we want to introduce you to him. If you don't know the power of the Spirit, listen, church people, listen to me. Make your first commission to be everything Jesus wants you to be. Be willing to take that risk and grab that clerk by the hand and say, hey, can I pray for you? I've been sitting in Tim Hortons at times. That's kind of my second office in case people were wondering. I've, I've been there at times, and I've had the clerk walk to the end of the counter and go several times, will you pray, will you pray for me? Absolutely. What's going on? Will you pray for my husband? He's in the hospital. Will you pray for my aunt? She's having problems. Will you pray for us? We're having financial problems. Will you pray? And it just, we should just anticipate God's going to give us opportunity. But most of our opportunity is not going to happen here. It's going to happen out there somewhere. It's going to happen at a credit union. It's going to happen, isn't it, Brian, with a guy carrying a gas can down the road. Am I right? We should expect that to happen to us. It should happen over the back fence with a neighbor. It should happen in a family reunion. It should happen in those places. But we've got to seek to obey him above all else, and he will meet us there. I believe that. You are not orphaned. You are not widowed. You are well provided for. Your father loves you. He wants to do great things in your life. And listen, you, you step out of the boat just like Peter. Jesus will meet you. I promise. Are you hearing that? Let's pray. Jesus, look around this room right now. Holy Spirit of God. Burn in us a desire to honor and obey you like we've never had before. Burn in us, God, a desire to, to be used by you. God, where there's, where there's lack and where there's laziness and where there's frustration and where there's all those things, replace that with the joy of your spirit, with the power, God, of your love, with the, 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 the application of your truth, God, and meet us with the miraculous. We believe, God, you want to do amazing things. We believe, Jesus, you are at work in the world. We feel like we're just on the cusp of some amazing things and Jesus do something awesome and if there's somebody in here right now who doesn't know you I pray father your love would so get a hold of their hearts that you would refuse to let them go and that God they would grab a hold of your hand acknowledging Jesus that there's more to life than just living there's more to life than just going to work there's more to life than mowing the grass there's more to life than paying the bills there's more to it there's an eternity waiting for us let us grab you by the hand and walk with you right into eternity you're here today and you don't know Christ you're not walking with him conscientiously and on purpose say these words say father I come to you. I'm not perfect. I got a lot of baggage. I ask you to forgive me of all of that. Walk with me and help me so I can live this life that they've been talking about. Holy Spirit of God, fill me so I will know the truth and I will walk in it. Lord, I pray, Jesus. You let me walk like you want me to walk. In your amazing, great name.
We are not saved for a church service. We are, to, we are saved to be service to people, servants to people. Today, if you've made a prayer of confession of faith in Christ, let somebody know about that. Christian, you better be telling people everywhere that you are. You better be making ways for opportunities. Whether you're giving out trick-or-treat bags with little cards attached to them or whatever, do something that lets people know Jesus is alive and he lives inside of you. Amen. You are free to go. Have a great day.